0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, it's so good to see you this morning and everyone joining us online. We want to get into that Word of God that speaks. We want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, and I'll read uh, in just a little bit verses 16 through 21. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed about something about celebrities. When celebrities grow old, they decide they want to go through all sorts of surgeries and procedures to try and make themselves new again, or so they think. So they get the plastic surgery, they get this nipped and they get that tucked, and they use and promote all sorts of creams and tonics they take away from themselves they add to themselves all to try and make them look brand new and the sad thing is they don't know actually how ridiculous it makes them look i mean how many celebrities ended up looking like that because their face got pulled to the back of their head and it reaches all the way around all to think that they would be new they they're old, but they don't want to look old and they even though they feel old, and they are old. I mean, if you're old, you're old. Own it. I own it. Why don't you? No, but they do all these things to look brand new. But no matter what procedure they have done, they cannot escape the inevitable. Because even whatever they get nipped and tucked and whatever, it won't last forever. You cannot escape the inevitable. Inevitable, They will still grow old. They will still die. And won't always be pretty. And you know what? The funny thing is, no matter what they have pushed and pulled and, and whatever, it doesn't change their heart. It doesn't change their nature. Because frankly, these celebrities, if they're a jerk before going into surgery, guess what? They're still a jerk after surgery. And maybe even more so because they think that there's, there's something. That there's not enough surgeries and procedures and potions and, and pills and whatnot to change who someone is. There is no surgery, pill, or potion that will make you new. But we all desire it. I mean, in so much shape or form, we all desire to be new. There's something about our old self that we don't necessarily like. Something about our old self that we would, Possible would rather get rid of you know, we would be like to be the caterpillar that crawls into the cocoon and then pops out a new beautiful butterfly Well, what if I told you that there is a way to become a completely new person? Now, you know you have all those commercials for gyms and pills and whatnot and they say you'll we guarantee results, but they can't. There's nothing on this earth that can guarantee results. But what if I said there is a way that you can become a brand new you and you can stay that way forever? Obviously, I'm not talking in the physical realm. There, there, there is no procedure that will do that for you. We are all still going to grow old, and we are all still going to die. But the Bible does say you can become brand new. How? It's all found in Jesus Christ. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ isn't just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It isn't about just avoiding the punishment for our sin when we come to faith in jesus christ and we are saved we are born again and we are made new creatures with new motives with a new heart and a life that is headed in a new direction in christ we are made brand new and my prayer is that today we would learn to live out of the treasury of this newness that is ours in Jesus Christ and Paul talks about this in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21 if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read this passage Paul writes to the Corinthians from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new crea- creation we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God let's pray our heavenly father we come before you and pray that everyone in here and everyone watching online or who will hear online that they would be made new and the only way is through jesus christ and then may we live out of that newness use your word lord to so work in us and we ask it in jesus name amen thank you so much you may be seated so today i want to talk to you about the newness that is available to us so first today i want you to notice that our passage tells us that god has gifted us with a new relationship God has gifted us with a new relationship so in our passage you noticed that he talked about reconciliation this thing that happens between God and humanity God reconciled us to himself now for him to say that reconciliation was needed means that there was some sort of break in a relationship there was some sort of hostility that needed to be fixed now, we know that this break in relationship came at the fall with Adam and Eve. Now, the break in relationship, I mean, it didn't come because of God. I mean, nothing had, God didn't do it. We're the ones that did it. And when Adam and Eve fell, God's disposition toward humanity became hostile. We became his enemies, is what Scripture says, all because of sin. And You know, not only are we born with that particular nature, then we purposely and willingly in our life go on and just keep adding more sin to it. We add to the hostility between us and God. But here's the thing, even though God was the one who was offended, even though God is the one who has every right to judge, God is the righteous judge. We're the ones who broke his law. We're the ones who sin against him. We're the ones who commit trespasses and iniquities. He's the one that took the first step forward in making the relationship right again. Our passage tells us something amazing. God is the one who took the initiative to reconcile sinful humanity to himself. Verses 18 and 19 tell us that God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, not counting our sins against us, but instead, he offers forgiveness. We've sinned against him many ways. And whatever we may think, big or small, it doesn't matter. We have offended a holy God. And yet he offers us that forgiveness. He offers us that reconciliation. This is amazing. Because God didn't have to. God is the offended party. He could have left us to our own devices. He had every right to judge us. And yet he did everything that was needed to restore us to a harmonious relationship with him and every bit of it is god's doing in our sin and our sinful nature humanity would not have sought god to begin with humanity in sin does not care about god humanity in sin doesn't care whether or not they're at peace with god humanity in sin doesn't care about their having a relationship with god and yet we need God. God is our light. God is our life. And apart from him, we're nothing but darkness and death. And yet God is the one who reached out to us. He reconciled the relationship and he made peace with us where there was hostility. Now there's peace. I read a story about a missionary named Don Richardson. He was a missionary to a cannibalistic headhunting tribe called the Sawi in Indonesia. Now there you go, There was a mission trip for you. Hey, we're going to go to some cannibals. How many here would sign up for that? Next summer, no, I'm just kidding. We're now going to cannibals. But I'll tell you what, he did. He knew even cannibals needed Christ. And so he went to them and try as he would, he could not find a way to make these people understand the gospel message. He could not get them to grasp. The concept of Christ's death on the cross as a way of being reconciled to God. And these Sawi so villages, they're constantly fighting amongst themselves. They were constantly at, at, at war with one another. Within this tribe, the different villages were at war with one another. And in, in this particular culture, treachery, revenge, and murder actually were things that were highly honored. And so. Don didn't think there was any hope for peace with these people. There was no way. There's no way I can even stop the hostility between them, much less the hostility between them and God. But he learned, to call, he learned about this ritual that the culture did. The tribes had this legendary custom where one village would give a baby boy to another village And peace would prevail between those two villages as long as that baby, that child, lived for however many decades. And so the the tribe called this baby the peace child. Through the peace child, there would be reconciliation. Well, the missionary got an idea. He seized on that story as an analogy of the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. He told them that Christ is God's divine peace child and that God offered this peace child to man and because Christ lives eternally that peace will never end and so this particular analogy that he made with their custom it opened up the gospel for the soese and in the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit the only th- way that God can, can do he, many of them believed in Jesus Christ they were reconciled to God and then there was reconciliation between the villages but it's amazing christ reconciles anyone to god there is no one who is out of god's reach that they can't be reconciled to god so many people think i am too far from god no you can be reconciled to god through jesus christ how did he accomplish this according to verse 21 he who knew no sin became our sin for us and he died on the cross bearing that sin and what does it say in exchange for that sin what does he give us we are given God's righteousness we are given a right standing before God in fact we are given the right standing before God the same right standing that Christ himself has before the father he takes our sin he gives us his righteousness I'll take that trade any day. The church father Irenaeus said, he stated it this way, Christ became what we are in order that we might become what he is. But what does that have to do about being brand new? Well, it has everything to do with being brand new because that's the starting point. You cannot be brand new until you start there, until you are reconciled with god through jesus christ and then you know what happens when you come to god through jesus christ you are given the holy spirit who does a work within you to empower you to live out of the righteousness that you have been given and so that leads us to our second major lesson today through the spirit we find that after we're reconciled with god god infuses us with a new life we are infused with a new life so God reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ and then through the Holy Spirit he begins this work of making us into the image of Christ it starts with our initial conversion and we're made new new in standing new in person new in nature and then the Holy Spirit integrates that newness into all areas of our life, or as Paul says in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. We're not talking about some sort of remodeling work here. It's not like somebody from HGTV comes into your life and says, Well, we can change the cabinets. And we can change the paint and we can move this wall over here and things like that it has nothing to do with fixing up the old making the old look better it has everything to do with just getting rid of the old and making you new he takes the old he demolishes it and he builds something new i read a story about a london businessman who who was trying to sell this warehouse property that he owned and the building had been empty for years, and, and so, you know, vandals got in, they broke windows, destroyed doors, left garbage, all that kind of stuff. And, and so the place was kind of a wreck, but the owner wanted to sell it, and so somebody actually came to look at, at, at his place. Well, as he was showing this prospective buyer, he kept telling the prospective buyer, you know what, I, I will, I'll replace the broken windows, I'll do whatever needs to be done to, re- to fix the structural damage. I'll clean out the garbage and all that stuff. But the buyer replied, well, forget about all those repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. I'm going to get the site, and I'm going to do something completely new with it. That's what God does to us through Jesus Christ. You know what we try and do? We try and fix up the old. We try and fix a window here, we try and put a fresh coat of paint there in our lives. But here's the thing, we're never going to be able to fix the old enough to make it salvageable. You cannot merely sweep up what is ready for the wrecking ball. When God reconciles you to himself through Jesus Christ, all he wants is the sight. He's going to get rid of that old building, that old self, and he is going to do something completely new and now being completely new now being new creatures in christ with the empowerment of the holy spirit it gives us the ability to live like new as opposed to living according to the old order of things and so the old is gone the new has come that means we have a new way of speaking we have new attitudes we have new perspectives we make new choices and on and on it goes Maybe some examples of how we are made new is that I'm new in the way that I treat other people regardless of how they treat me. Even if they treat me shabby, I'm going to treat them as someone made new. I'm new in that I choose not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh but live in self control by the power of the Spirit. I'm new in that I choose to have faith and believe God rather than give myself over to worry and anxiety. I'm new in that I see my life and resources as tools in God's hands for use in ministry rather than something to spend on selfish desires. I'm new in that the glory of God is more important to me than my own glory. I'm new in that I want to make the name of Jesus known, not my own name. I'm new in that my love for God and others surpasses my love for self old things are gone behold the new has come the new is here now one specific way that paul mentions that we're made new is in our thinking in verse 16 he says from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer what paul is saying in this verse is that our thinking and our perspective what we live in this world no longer is fleshly it's not just from a human standpoint we don't just we don't look at things from our old human eyes so to speak we look at the world now as Christ looks at the world as God is looking at the world we take his heavenly perspective and Paul knows what he's talking about because before Paul was reconciled to God through Jesus Christ he was hostile toward God, even though he thought he was doing God's work. He thought that Jesus was this quack prophet, and he thought that Jesus' followers were some sort of demons or something that had to be persecuted. They had to be destroyed. And even though he thought he was serving God, he was actually hostile toward God. Did you know that it was? it's very quite possible that Paul was in Jerusalem when Christ was crucified? And? He probably saw it, and he probably, well, we know he heartily approved of it. He was all for it. He may have been amongst the crowd yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. And we know later on in the book of Acts that Paul was there when Stephen was martyred for his faith in Christ. And everyone was laying their cloaks at his feet, and he was there as a Pharisee and giving it his applause. Yeah, stone that guy. He's a blasphemer. Paul hated Jesus, and Paul hated those who followed Jesus. Paul thought he was doing a favor by getting rid of them, by persecuting them. But then he met the resurrected Christ. And Paul believed in Jesus, and Paul was reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Paul was made new by the Holy Spirit. Paul's thinking was completely turned around, and now he held on an eternal, heavenly perspective about everything. I mean, Paul filtered all of the world's events through the mind of Christ. He thought the thoughts of Christ, he applied the life of Christ into every situation that he was a part of, and when we are made new, that new life, it includes a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at the world. We look through the lens of Scripture. Our thinking is no longer worldly or fleshly. We we look at things from the heavenly, from the eternal. We take on a biblical worldview. We think the thoughts of Christ as they are reflected to us in Scripture. When you're made new, I mean you're made new. In every possible way you are new and have a new life. But we are not given this new life merely for ourselves. We're not given this new life merely to think, hey, look at me, I've got this new life. With this new life comes a new mandate. And so the third lesson we learned today is that God has entrusted us with a new ministry. He reconciles us to himself, giving us a new relationship with him. We are given a new life, so then we go forth And we have a new ministry. According to our passage, because we're reconciled to God, we're given a ministry of reconciliation, which is further defined for us in verse 19, saying we are entrusted with the message of reconciliation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I've been reconciled to God and I have been made new, I desire that others are made new as well. I want others to experience that grace, of being made new, just like I have been made new. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're empowered with a ministry of reconciliation. We want people to be reconciled to God. Now, we're all gifted in different ways, but we use that gift so that others are reconciled to God. That's a great responsibility. But that's part of being new. I want others to be new as well. We aren't made new so that people can look at us and gawk at us and just be in awe of how new we are. You know, God doesn't make us new so that we can be like, uh, like what some car collectors do. So they take an old car, they restore the old car. Once the car is restored, they put it in a museum, they put it in a garage, and it's just there to look at. It's just there for people to kind of gawk at. It's there to be admired, but they don't ever use it. Look at this. I restored my car. And you know what? That's fine with cars. Restore cars and put them in a museum. But that's not all right with Christians. We are not made new to become some sort of museum expo. We are made new so that we can go forth. and tell people how they can be reconciled and be made new as well. We're made new, and we're given a ministry of reconciliation. So Paul continues in verse 20 what this means. That means we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, and through us, God makes his appeal to a lost world to come to him. So being new means we're we're ambassadors. And what's an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of a ruling authority in a foreign land. They go to a foreign land and represent their ruling authority. An ambassador represents the interests of the ruling authority, whoever it is that sent them. They do not represent their own interests. They don't go out and and give their own message. They represent the person who sent them and empowered them, and that's us. We're reconciled we're given a message of reconciliation, we go forth with that message. It's not our message. It's not a message that I, I make up. It's not a message about me. It's, it's the message of the gospel, and the gospel is not about me. The is about Christ. So I go forth as an ambassador telling people about Christ. We don't do, go out there and do our own thing. As one author stated it, about the work of an ambassador, the authority of the message rests on the fact that Christ himself speaks in the world, in the word of his ambassador, or as it amounts to the same thing for the apostle, that God himself uses the apostle, or uses us, as a mouthpiece to utter his own admonition. In the ministry and word of reconciliation, the completed act of reconciliation is presented as a summons and an invitation to the faith, which is a pro which appropriates this act. An important point here is that the interest of the statement is focused on the material authority of the message rather than the formal authority of an officer. We are—we don't have any authority. We are given a message with authority from the one who is the authority. So we're not going out being ambassadors in our own power without our, our own message doing our own thing. We are, are sent by God, through Christ, with a message. And you know what? Sometimes people won't like that message. People won't like the authority that has sent us. But it doesn't matter because it has nothing to do with us anyway. If they reject the message, they're rejecting the authority who sent the message. We are merely telling the truth of the one who sent us. There was this article in Politico magazine several years ago, and it was talking about how the, the ambassador from America in Germany was not very well-liked by the Germans. And the reason, though, that the ambassador in Germany was not very well-liked by the Germans was because the president who sent him was not very popular, and his, his policies were not very popular with the people in Germany. But the article pointed out that in German, the word for ambassador is botschafter, which translated into English literally as messenger. And, and, and so, you know what? The ambassador was not judged by how popular he may have been among the Germans. The ambassador was judged by how faithful he was to the message that was given him by the one in authority. For him, the president. Because that's what an ambassador does. He represents the leader. He conveys the message of the leader to the citizens of the country to which he is sent. And we are sent to the world. Therein lies our ministry. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses to all Judea. In Jerusalem, all Jerusalem, all Judea. Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Therein lies our ambassadorship. We have a message. We are witnessing to Christ. And we're called to be faithful to that as ambassadors. So let's call people to be new. That's part of us being new. We call others to be new as well. We are made new. We're different. We are completely different. You know, there was a lot of, science fiction shows and movies over the decades that that have this theme this picture of uh, you know aliens who come to earth and they take on the form of a human i mean in the 70s there was the tv show invaders and then there was the invasion of the body snatchers and the 80s there were tv shows like v and other things you know it was kind of a current it was a constant theme in shows like the twilight zone our limits doctor who and, and things like that aliens coming to earth and they look like humans they imitate humans nobody would know they weren't human unless somebody said it but they weren't humans they were different god says we're we're new Now, we look like other humans, and sometimes we act like other humans, and we use the same language as humans. I mean, we eat, sleep, and drink like other humans, but the thing is, we're not like other humans. I mean, we're still human, but we're not like other humans. We have been made new. In Christ, we're completely new. In a sense, we are aliens in a foreign land on this earth. But now the question is, will we live out of this newness? Being new, will we live like we're new? You know, I think a lot of the spiritual anemia that's happening in the church happens from the fact that we aren't living out of our newness. We're living out of our oldness. We're living in the flesh. We think we can do things in the flesh, and our own smarts and our own wisdom. Maybe you could call it spiritual amnesia. We've forgotten that we've been made new. What a wonderful truth. This is life changing. I mean, we're not the same as we were before if we've come to Christ. Will we live in the power of that newness? You know, I kind of close with this thought. You've probably heard about John Newton. He was the former slave trader who came to Christ, and he wrote the. Most famous hymn that ever has been, Amazing Grace. To go from a slave trader to a strong Christian, well, there's a story about a few years before he died. He, he had breakfast with a friend. It's something that they often did, and what, part of their custom was that when, after they ate their breakfast that they read from the Bible and had theological discussions. Well, you know, Newton was growing old and his eyes were growing dim, and so what they would do is his friend would read from the Bible, and then Newton would comment on it. And on one particular day, the friend read from 1 Corinthians 15, which is a wonderful treat the resurrection, but, but in 1 Corinthians 15, there's these words. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And Newton was silent for several minutes, and then he said this which I think is very profound. I'm not what I ought to be, how imperfect and deficient I am. I am not what I wish to be, although I abhor that which is evil and would cleave to what is good. I'm not what I hope to be, but soon I shall put off mortality and with it all sin. Though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor yet what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was a slave to sin and Satan. I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge that by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am new. And so are you. If you are a Christian, Newton recognized that even though he's still imperfect, he was new. He wasn't what he once was. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christian, are you rejoicing in your newness? And are you living in your newness? I invite you to come to the altar today and ask God to remind you constantly how new you are. And thank Him that even though you not, may not be what you want to be yet, you're not what you once were. And come to the altar and ask Him for the power to live out of this newness. But maybe there are some folks here who are not living like new because you haven't been made new, because you haven't been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. You can start a new life today. You can't go to the past and change the past. But you can start a new life today. The old can pass away today. And the new can start today. As one person said it, though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. Change your ending today. Come forward and be reconciled to God. Be made brand new. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 AM. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.